You're listening to What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. In this episode, I talked to Dan Gemeinhart, who's a fabulous middle grade author, books such as The Honest Truth, Some Kind of Courage, and his latest, Scar Island. And he took the time out to talk to me about uh, the books that he loved as a kid and his time as an elementary librarian that really got him plugged in and motivated to write middle grade novels. So listen in. So Dan, what book hooked you? You know, there are, it's, I will pick one, I will settle on one, don't worry, but there were lots of books that hooked me. As a kid, I was a really voracious reader, and I think it came from my upbringing. As, as a kid, my family moved around a lot. At first, because my dad was in the Army, but even once he got out of the Army, we still moved every year, um, off to new towns, new schools, new houses, um, and so I was always the new kid, and everything in my life was always kind of changing, and books were the one thing I could kind of count on, because if I got into a book or an author or a series at one school, and then we moved off and headed to a new place, I could probably find that same book, that same author, that same series at the library at my new school. And so the library was always my favorite room in the building because it was always kind of the same no matter where I was. And books were like the one significant, consistent thing in my life. So I was just and always have been a real book lover. And so there was tons of books. Like mostly um, either books that my mom read to us or books that teachers read to us. Um, and one that, that jumps out in particular was the book that a lot of people know and love, still pops today, Hatchet by Gary Paulson. And I was completely enamored with that book. My teacher started it as a read-aloud when I was in fifth grade, and I was really into it. And then right in the middle of the book, we moved again, um, in the middle of the school year, off to a whole other town, a whole other school. And the first thing I did when I got to my new school is I ran down to the library, and I said, Do you love Hatchet by Gary Paulson? And of course they did, and so I was able to check it out and jump right into it and pick up right where my class had left off. Um, and it was just a really wonderful, significant thing because I was really sad about moving. I had missed my teacher. I missed my friends. I missed my old school. And it was a way to feel connected to them and to have this kind of consistency. And, and it's also just a great story. And I, then I read it again a couple of years later. I read it again as a grown-up. And, uh, and so it's really a book that, that hooked me both with it's a great story, and it's really exciting and all that stuff, but it really kind of symbolized what books meant to me and how books were important in my life for reasons beyond just the excitement of the story. And that's a great kind of thought that I never thought of, that you know, you're moving around and, no, and books, was, books were sort of that friend that you got to keep no matter where you were. Um, now Absolutely. With ha- now, with Hatchet, you know, I, read, I remember reading that story myself, you know, it's very outdoorsy. Were you kind of an outdoorsy kid making forts and, and, you know, going on adventures and wanting to do stuff outdoors a lot? For sure. And so, yeah, we loved camping and hiking and backpacking, and I'm still into all those things. And so it really, you know, fit what my interests were. But, you know, it's also really like, like I think every middle grade book um, is really – no matter what the external plot's about, whether it's fantasy or realistic or whatever, it's really about identity because that's what middle grade readers are really thinking about and wrestling with. That Those years from 9 to 14 are really when you start to separate from your parents, you start to 
try to figure out what your own identity is, what your own personality is, who you are, how you fit in the world. And, and so that's really, I think, the heart and the meat of every middle grade story if you drill down far enough. And so, sure, Hatchet is an outdoor adventure story. It's an exciting story. Um, but it's really, it's, it's about Brian, the kid Brian, and he's literally trying to figure out if he fits in the world, where he fits in the world. Um, like, where, where does he fit in the situation that he finds himself in? And so it's a lot about survival and animals and hunting and food and shelter. And it's, it's mostly about that. But it's, it was also a great... Uh, story for me, this kid by himself without, without his parents, his family, his friends around, and that's when he really figures out and learns who he really is, which are, of course, the questions that I was doing with myself at that age, because those are the questions of that age. And so at that time, you said, you know, you were always, you were into series, you could find seri- a series of books from one school to the other. What kind of, what other books during that time uh, were you really into? I love, I mean, it's, it's, very difficult. I love the Hardy Boys series uh, and read all of them. And maybe not great literature, but hey, you know they keep they kept me reading. Sure. Um, and, and so I read every every single one of the Hardy Boys books. I read um, the Narnia series, um, which obviously is, is a classic, and, and plenty of standalones. Like I remember, a teacher read uh, Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry to Us by I think it's Mildred Taylor, and that was amazing and rocked my world. And my mom read like, The Trumpet of the Swan and Summer of My German Soldier and Pigs Could Fly. I really remember all those. And really, I and as a kid and even today, I love all kinds of books. I'm really, I guess, lucky in that respect. Is I never really got into just one genre. And I can read, um, and as a kid, same, fantasy, sci-fi, realistic, sad, funny, silly. Like, if it's got a good story, if it's got a character that I care about, I, I don't care about the genre at all. So as a kid, I would read anything. I would go to the school library or the public library or the bookmobile and just walk out with, you know, my arms full of books, all different kinds of stories. And if it was a good story, I was in. And so at this, at what point then sort of through your journey, uh, were you were you wanting to create your own stories at this time as you're uh, devouring all these different kinds of books? I did, yes. I developed... That, that desire to be a storyteller pretty early. And I would write short stories and, and you know, start little novels and stuff from an early age. I remember at least like in second grade and third grade writing stories. And, and from that point on, and through middle school and through high school and through college, writing was something I was interested in. And I would, I would say that I wasn't passionate about it for, for a long time, which is, which is kind of surprising. It wasn't until after college. I, I mean, I wrote, poems here and there, and I'd start stories, and I would talk about writing, but I didn't really, really like dive into it with both feet, into the work and the craft and the passion of writing until after college, and I'd been a reader at that point for uh, 20 years, and and I was looking at myself in my adult life, and I said, man, like, books and stories have been so important in my life, and I love stories. I love storytelling. I believe in the power of stories. Uh, I should... I should take the next step. And I've been dabbling in writing for, you know, since I was seven or eight. And I should really see about, about making this happen, about trying to become a writer and jump into the world of stories. And so that, that really leaping in and, and wanting to, to really make a go of it is actually kind of recent in my life. But the, the love of stories and the love of words and the love of writing is always there. So as you grow older, uh, moved into your high school years and your college years, 
How did your reading life change at that point? My reading life, I would say all that really changed was the level of book I was reading. I mean, from the, my earliest memories, I was always reading and towards being read to, and that continued right through middle school, high school, college. Uh, that was my thing, bookstores, libraries, books and reading. Uh, it was really just the content that changed. And well, that's what I'm looking for. I feel like today's high school readers are so lucky because when I was growing up, so I'm uh, 38 years old, and so when I was growing up in high school, it was like the 90s, and YA literature, young adult literature, was there, but it's nothing like it is today, where it's so rich and it's so incredible and the high quality and so many genres and it's um, it's really this this awesome it's not a genre this awesome market of writing and it was not at all like that you know 20 years ago and so I read what I could I read a lot of grown up books a lot of adult books because there weren't that many YA books um, and so throughout high school I did probably it's mostly adult reading but today's young readers have so many awesome books to choose from. And so then when you started to take writing more serious and really want to give this a shot, were there particular books that uh, motivated you or that you were inspired by or saw yourself sort of modeling your initial writing after? I would say not a specific book, but my work really influenced my writing. So I got, I, I luckily happened into the best job in the world. After a few years after college, I become, became a librarian at an elementary school, a K-5 school. And I had not been interested in teaching elementary. I had been a high school teacher before that. And I, I kind of stumbled into the library job and I just loved it. Loved the job, loved the kids, loved the school. And I really loved the books. And I had not read like a middle grade book or a picture book since I was a middle grade reader. And since I got this job, I said, okay, I've got to read all these books. So I you know, can recommend books to my, my students. Uh, and so I started reading middle grade books for the first time in 20 years. And I was amazed at how awesome they were and how great they were and how they dealt with real serious issues in a serious way. And no matter what genre you wanted, they were awesome books. And so I became just enamored with middle grade literature in general. And, and so that changed the course of my writing. At that point, I had been writing like adult stuff or trying to write adult stuff. It was it's painful and awful and unpublishable, um, but grown up novels and whatnot um, that never went anywhere because they were awful. And then I just fell in love with middle grade books and middle grade literature and started reading it a lot. Reading, I mean, you know, 50, 75 middle grade books a year. And never got tired of it. So that really informed my writing, and I started getting ideas and, and, and drive to write middle grade books. And also, the school I worked at had, had a high um, uh, poverty and pre-reduced lunch rate, and we were 65-7% ELL, so kids who were English with their second language. And so a lot of them maybe weren't quite at, at grade level with their reading level. A lot of them were reluctant readers. And so I was also really drawn to books that had a strong hook, books that had, you know, kind of cliffhanger chapters, books that had a high concept that would hook my students. So I was always trying to get them into books and get them into reading. And the books that most of my kids were most likely to get into were books with a strong hook and, and a lot of momentum. And so that kind of influence were actually directly and significantly impacted my writing, where I, I, I try to write books that have you know, hopefully a great first chapter that hooks a reader and have kind of shorter chapters and cliffhanger and lots of action. There's still a lot of emotional depth, and there's hopefully a lot 
else going on in those stories, but I definitely was influenced by working with reluctant readers for so long, and that's, that's definitely impacted my writing style, and I think a, a positive way. And so when you were that age, you were reading a lot of different kinds of genres, and I'm sure when you got into that role of elementary librarian, you were reading a lot of different types of books. So then when it came to your own writing, creating your own stories, how did you kind of say, this is the genre that I wanted to kind of uh, fall into? Uh, I would say that that still hasn't happened, um, that I, I that the stories kind of come to me as the stories come to me. And I've got three books out, and they're really different genres. Um, Honest Truth, my first book is the contemporary realistic. It's very serious. I mean, it's the kids of cancer. Um, and my second book was historical fiction set in Washington State in 1890. My third one that came out this year is Scar Island, and that is none of the above. It's not historical fiction. It's not exactly contemporary realistic. Um, it's it's kind of its own thing, um, and it, but it's not it doesn't have necessarily like the serious real life tone of like the honest truth of the cancer and stuff. And so even now, like a story comes to me, and whatever genre it kind of fits into is is what it fits into. But I don't set out to to write a particular genre. I just set out to write a particular story. And so that first book that you mentioned, the honest truth, that was your your debut release back in 2015. Uh, how long did that book take? Uh, to from that the... one took a, that one took a really long time, but only because of the kind of process I went through. Uh, first, it, the idea sat in my head for a couple of years because I was working on other stuff, and then once I started writing it, I really couldn't figure out how I wanted the story to go, and I couldn't figure out the voice. I couldn't figure out how I wanted it to start, and so I kept starting, stopping, starting, stopping, and I wrote like 50 pages and didn't like it and threw it away and started from scratch and got another 50 pages and again didn't like it and threw it away. And so it's a really long process. And sometimes I get busy with work and take, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months off. And so that one, I mean, if you look from the time I got the idea until the time I finished it, it was probably like five or six years. But that's not really five or six years of writing. That's just kind of five or six years of life. And it was five or six years of me trying to figure out how to tell that story um, and how to make that story work and how to make that story work the way that I wanted it to work. And now, of course, it does not take me five or six years to write a book. I've worked out my process a lot better than that, and I've got more time because now I'm a full-time writer. But so that one was a really, a really challenging process to get that one out. And so while that is your first book, were there you, you briefly mentioned about the adult books, but are there middle-grade books that are just locked away in a drawer because they were just attempts that weren't quite on point yet? Oh, yes, for sure. I, I was definitely not like a natural writer, like, oh, I decided to write a book and it came out awesome. That The Honest Truth is my debut novel, but it's actually the sixth book that I wrote. I wrote one start-to-finish adult novel that is just unreadable garbage, and then I wrote four other middle-grade books uh, that are not they're not great not publishable uh, they were getting better and that's why i kept working is even though i could tell man this still is not quite there this is still not like a publishable book and i could see that my third book was better than my second book i could see that my fourth book was better than my third book so i could see that i was getting closer i was kind of figuring it out and doing the best i could in the time i had i mean i was working full time so i would write from like you know nine or ten at night until midnight that was my writing time but I could see that I was getting closer. And so, yeah, I do have five books in my desk drawer, five books that will not see the light of day, but five books that are really important to me. And I, I'm proud of them, even though they're not good books and it's not good writing. 
I'm proud that I put the work in and kept at it. And if I hadn't spent all the time and work writing those five really terrible books, I wouldn't have built my skills and, and become the kind of writer I wanted to become. So those books are, are really important in my writing history, even though they'll never be on my, my writing resume. And were those books, especially those four middle grade, um, were those books that you tried to send out to try to get an agent to try to eventually get published? Or were there any of them that you knew kind of after you typed the end that it wasn't strong enough? No, I did, except for the very first one, the, the grown-up novel. That I never sent out. But my first four middle grade novels, because of course at the time I wrote them, I didn't realize they were terrible. You don't write a bad book on purpose. I thought they were pretty good. Uh, it's only as I learned and grew and got better that I could look at them more more, more honestly and see they weren't that great. Um, and so, yeah, I sent them out to agents and and went through that whole querying process, and that can be just really frustrating and soul-crushing when it's like your dream and you're working so hard to keep getting nowhere. And I got lots of rejections from the time I spent, and this includes a couple of fiction books, actually, but from the time I sent my first like query letter out to an agent or a publisher until the time I finally got a yes for the honest truth, was a long journey. It was eight years, so eight years of submitting and getting rejected. And over those eight years, uh, I went back and counted, and I got exactly 99 rejections from agents and editors. And I'm not making that up, but that's the actual number. I got exactly 99 no's. It was on my 100th try that I finally got a yes. Um, so it's, it can be a really, really long, hard process. It's to be really determined. You have to develop a pretty thick skin. And you have to be able to look at your work really honestly and, and see where it's not being what it should and seeing how to fix it and keeping an open mind and open ears to try to always make your craft better. So when you had when you had finished the honest truth and you started sending that out, did you were you did you have the confidence at the time to know that, you know, I think this one is really set apart from the past four, that this one has a better chance? Or did it, at that point were you so maybe used to rejection, used to doing one book at the other that it really took an agent's interest to let you know that yes, you had finally you'd finally did you'd finally gotten there? Uh, no, the honest truth, I could I could tell, both because I'd been getting better as a writer and I've been doing a lot of reading, and I, I knew that I had done significantly better with that one than the other four. Both like the concept and the like the story was actually better, more original, more interesting, um, but just I had executed it far better than I had the other ones. And so I had a really good feeling from the beginning about that one. And that one didn't have a long process. That got one rejection. So number 99 was the honest truth. The other 98 rejections were for the other books. And so honest truth had a, a quick, a quick pickup, which was, which was, which was great. It's surprising after eight years of nothing but no's. I, I knew that at that time I had definitely um, taken my writing to a better level. And so that comes out 2015. You have some kind of courage comes out 2016, and then Scar Island just came out uh, January of 2017. So I would imagine either you're just uh, a very quick writer, or during those those rejection periods, you were, uh, you know, continuing on to the next one. Uh, yes, and and so yeah, so Scar Island, I actually wrote. Before some kind of courage, so I wrote honest truth, and then while I was revising that and started to you know send it out, um, I wrote Scar Island as a NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month project. So I wrote that the rough draft of one month. Obviously, there's months and months of revising that goes into that. But I wrote the rough draft of that while I was just getting honest truth ready to go out. 
So when Honest Truth got accepted, I already had Scar Island kind of in the bag. And then Some Kind of Courage, I also did as a NaNoWriMo project. Um, so I wrote the rough draft in one month. But after Honest Truth got accepted, so publishing was really slow. And so even though Honest Truth came out in 2015, when they told me, yes, and hey, we're going to publish your book, your dream came true, that was in the summer of 2013. So I had um, you know, a year and a half um, of waiting time. And they offered me for Honest Truth a two-book deal. They said, we'll take this one, we'll take whatever you write next. And so I knew that I had to write something else. And so they made that offer in the summer of 2013. And then in the fall of 2013, I did the NaNoWriMo and I wrote Some Kind of Courage. Um, and then, then I already had Scarlet done. And so, yeah, those first three, it looks like, wow, I wrote three books in three years, but um, not so much. Like, it's a really slow industry. And uh, so I, I, I think now I've, got, now I've got more time. Now I'm a full-time writer. And now I'm much better at my process. And I make fewer mistakes as I go. And so I think I probably could write a book a year now, um, I mean, and kind of hope to honestly. Um, but uh, those three were not were not written in three years. And so, at what point did you feel stable enough uh, and comfortable enough to uh, leave your job as a librarian and and be a full time writer? It was not exactly a choice that I made, and I wouldn't wouldn't have chosen. I really, really loved my job and loved my school, the community, the kids. Um, and I had cut back to teaching half-time because I was really busy with writing and I was traveling and I was doing school visits and stuff, and it was just too much to handle. And so I cut back to teaching half-time. So I, I, it was a full-time job, but I shared it with a teaching partner, and I worked half the week and she worked half the week. But then my school district decided just for, like, HR, paperwork reasons, they didn't want any more job sharing, any more two people sharing one job just because they have to pay them both benefits. And it's understandable, but um, it was surprising. And they said, so they said, if you're half time, you we're not going to renew that. You have to either go full time or resign. And not just me, but to everybody. And so I had to make a decision, and I couldn't just couldn't go back to full time because I already had all these trips booked and these school visits booked and these conferences and conventions booked. And I was really busy with writing. I had stuff under contract. And so I really reluctantly made the decision to resign my halftime position. Um, and I've, I've missed every, that was just last, last, last August. So uh, this will be my first full year of, of not teaching. And I really, really miss it. And I hope to get back into the library someday. I hope either the district changes their policies or another nearby district has a halftime position or something because uh, being an elementary librarian was just the best job in the world. And I got to work every day with my two favorite things, kids and books, and kids' books, all three. Um, and so I, I didn't exactly choose to leave teaching. Um, technically, I did, but not really, and I hope to get back and do it someday. And so as a middle-grade writer, uh, and you've mentioned how you've, you're doing school visits and, and talking to kids and sharing books with your kids, how has it been sort of what kind of gratification have you gotten to be able to interact with students that have been reading your books and they're asking you questions and, and what have those events and those interactions been like for you? It's been absolutely amazing. Absolutely. I like pinch myself every day. Amazing to do the school visits or I get like emails from kids all the time. I get, you know, 10 emails a week from kids, which is just, I mean, it's just awesome. And, um, I get to, I get to get actual mail, like, like snail mail from kids with like bookmarks they made or posters they made of, of, about my books. And it's really just, I'm just really, really lucky. And it, it, it feels really amazing. And I do a lot of Skype visits as well. 
with um, usually like it would be a class that where one of my books is read aloud and they do a Skype visit and the kids can ask me questions. Um, and especially it's been especially good this last year when I was missing teaching so much. Because um, teaching, yes, you're working, it's so social. You guys see hundreds of people a day and you're, you're working with people all the time. And then all of a sudden you're a writer and you're just sitting by yourself in a quiet room. And so the Skype visits in the school business have been great because kids are awesome. And kids are way more fun than a quiet room. They're way more fun than I am. And so it's, it's great to interact with them. And it really blows my mind um, to specifically interact with kids that have read my books, that love my books, that say nice, sweet, awesome things about my books. Or any books. I love talking with kids about books. And so that, those have been really, really fun events. And I'm really lucky and grateful to be able to do all that. And your latest book was Scar Island. Uh, like we mentioned, January 17th is when it was released. Uh, and so let's talk about this one for a little bit. Uh, can you give me kind of a brief summary of what the book's about? Yes. So it's about a boy named Jonathan Grisby. And he gets sent to... Um, a place called the Slabhenge Reformatory School for Troubled Boys, which is this horrible, like, half-prison, half-reformed school. It's on an island. It's this crumbling old stone asylum. He gets sent there for a crime. I, I, won't, I won't say what it is because a big part of the story is learning what the crime is, but he gets sent there, and not long after, something else happens, which I also won't say, um, and as a result, the boys of Slabhenge, the prisoners or students, whatever you want to call them, find themselves alone on the island, no more grown-ups. And so they have to survive the island, they have to survive each other. Jonathan is dealing with his grief and his guilt over the crime that he committed. And so it's a lot about adventure and survival and friendship, but it's also a lot about him healing and forgiving himself. Um, and, and so it's, it's a mix of an, kind of an emotional story, but also an adventure survival story. And so you had mentioned that you had started writing this book, uh, during NaNoWriMo, but what was kind of the, the spark or the idea that, that started you off on this story? The, the whole story um, came from a random thought that I had at, at a meeting, at a professional development teacher meeting. I'm not good at paying attention during meetings. I'm always daydreaming <laughs> and doodling. I just always have been terrible. And there was some meeting where I probably shouldn't be paying attention, and a word, uh, a line popped into my head, a sentence. And that sentence is still in the book. It's kind of a spoiler. Um, but that's all right. It's about three quarters of the way through, and the line is, "All the grown-ups are dead and gone, and that's just how we like it." And that line, like unconnected to any scene or character or story, popped into my head. And I thought, "Oh, that's an interesting line." So I wrote it down on my my meeting notes. All the grown-ups are dead and gone, and that's just how we like it. And then I just started asking questions about it, which is really what developing a story is. I said, "Okay, what kind of a kid would say that? Oh, it must be kind of a tough kid, kind of a rough kid." okay, what kind of situation would they be in where that would happen? And what kind of grown-ups must they be if, if we, the readers, are basically okay with them being dead and gone? They must have been awful grown-ups. And so if I've got rough, tough kids in some sort of situation with awful grown-ups, and it couldn't be every grown-up in the world that died, so it must have been a finite, limited space like an island, um, then the story kind of just all grew out of there, all grew out of that one line. And like I said, that line's still there. So if you read the book, you'll get to that line, and the character says, all the grown-ups are dead and gone, and that's just how we like it. And that's where the whole story started. And so with this being your third uh, book, does it still feel the same as when you had that debut, The Honest Truth, come out? Uh, is it still the amount of nerves? Are you still? Is there still kind of that unknown? Are you getting a little more comfortable with the cycle of, of preparing a book for release and, and marketing it? 
and you know having it released and and out into the world for others to read um yeah i would say that for better or worse it's very much the same obviously the newness isn't there um i still feel all the same excitement all the same insecurities all the same trepidation it's not as novel, so to speak, as the first time where everything's new, and especially after years and years of rejection, every development, oh, seeing the cover and, and meeting the editor and all that kind of stuff, that was all brand new, and so it felt very distinctly new and exciting. It still feels exciting, just, just all that's gone is the newness. But yeah, every time I send something else out to an editor or my agent, um, I still feel just as uh, anxious and insecure um, and, and self-doubting as I always have. And every time I hear something good, it feels just as exciting and affirming as the first time. And so my, I'd say my internal psyche hasn't changed at all as far as um, the good and the bad, the excitement and the anxiety. Um, but it, it doesn't feel as new necessarily because, because I've done it three times now, but it's just, just as gratifying and I feel just as lucky every time. And then so kind of going on with your trend of, of so far being able to have a book each year. You have a book coming out 2018, correct? I do, yes. And it's called Good Dog. It's a dog story, obviously. And it's, it's kind of connected to my first one, The Honest Truth. It's not a sequel, and you wouldn't have had to read The Honest Truth to read Good Dog. But if you read Honest Truth and then read Good Dog, at the end, there's a little twist. And you'll say, ah, oh, you'll, see, you'll see that there's an important connection between the two. And not just like um, like a silly thing, like the characters either at the same restaurant or something. Like there's a, a, a character overlap that actually really matters to both stories. Hmm, that sounds interesting. Um, so we kind of started off the podcast talking about, you know, Hatchet and how uh, it was this adventure story. And you can definitely see the adventure side of things in a lot of your stories. But then you kind of hammered home that with middle grade, it has to be identity. So is that something that when you're writing your own books, that you're really conscious of and trying to put in there uh, in the books that you write? For sure. I think that, well, I think that any book, really, any novel, really, but especially middle grade, is really about the character. And uh, the milieu can change the genre, the setting, but for middle grade book to work, the reader really has to believe in the character and care about the character. And that's what makes the stories work. That's why readers keep reading. And when you're Talking about middle grade readers, you're competing with so much. You're competing with friends and homework and video games and internet. And to ask a kid to sit down for 10 quiet hours and read a story, that's kind of asking a lot. And the reason kids keep reading, if they keep reading, I think is really because of character. Sure, sure, action, adventure, plot, super important. And it's got to be there. But if that action is happening and you don't care about the character, who cares? Like the reason Harry Potter is so great is because we love Harry, we love Hermione, we love Ron, we love Hagrid. And we care if they win. Like, if you don't care anything about Harry Potter and you don't care anything about Voldemort, you don't care which one wins, which one loses, which one lives, which one dies, and that story doesn't matter to you. Sure, the plot and the setting is amazing. It's amazing. And yet it keeps you reading. But what really makes it sing for you, what keeps you hooked, is that you, you really care about the characters. And so I definitely, when I'm doing my writing, I'm always thinking about the characters and trying to make them feel real, trying to make them feel like someone that the reader would know and recognize and care about and and always try to frame the story in reference to what it means to the character and therefore hopefully what it means to the reader so a few questions then as we kind of wind down things the first one is what is your favorite movie that's based on a book oh favorite movie that's based on a book interesting question i would say 
I'm not a huge um, movie guy, not a huge cinephile. I, especially now with three kids, we don't get to the movies very sure. often. I would say, and I tend to also, this is not a great question for me, because I tend to not want to see movies and books that I've loved. Um, not because they don't, they often do a great job, but just, just because I, I've got the, my own image in my head, I don't want them to mess with it. And so most of my favorite books, even if they get made in the movies, I don't go see it. Like The Book Thief is one of my very favorite books. I'm not going to see that movie, even though I hear they did a really good job. Just not interested. Um, but I would say the movie that I was surprised by was Bridge Terabithia, which is one of those ones where I wasn't going to watch it because I love the book so much, um, that it was playing on a plane, and so it was my only choice. And so I watched Bridge Terabithia, and I really loved it. And I really thought that they actually did a pretty great job with it. And so I guess I would say that one. Right. And so is there a classic book? And normally we go with kind of canonized, you know, classic uh, pieces of literature, but maybe you have something else in mind that maybe is widely read, is fairly popular, but you, for whatever reason, can't get into, can't stand it, whatever the case may be. That's an interesting question. Um, Like I said, I'm not tied to any genre. Like I just love falling into a story, falling in falling in love with the character no matter what the, the setting is. And so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much willing to go there with, with an author and with a story. And it's not that I love everything I read. There's plenty of stuff I read that I don't like. But no, I can't, you know, honestly, I can't, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't think of uh, a fine. big classic that I just didn't get. That's fine. I think your explanation is I'll accept that. Uh, so then last question. With your love of books, what is the last great book that you've read? Okay, this is what I'm definitely going to cheat on. I cannot, because sometimes kids ask me this in Skype visits, and I'm just incapable of giving one answer, because I still read Voracious. I still read probably two books a week, and I love a lot of it. And so some of my recent favorites, um, and I'm going to give a lot more than one, um, because there's so many great books. My favorite book of last year was definitely Ghost by Jason Reynolds, which I think is amazing, and I'm so excited that the sequel is coming out soonish, I think this month. Um, so Ghost by Jason Reynolds. Um, my favorite book so far this year, one of my very favorites, was Refugee by Alan Gratt. Just came out like a week and a half ago. Incredible, incredible book for opening hearts and building empathy about refugees, and it takes three different refugee stories from history, including modern-day Syria, and it's really, really amazing. Um, two other books that came out this year, Midnight Without a Moon by Linda Williams Jackson was a great, great read. It's her debut. It's, an, it's incredible. And Steph Soto Taco Queen by Jennifer Torres, also a really great de- middle grade debut. Um, they're just a fun story and an unforgettable character. Um, oh, there's one that's just coming out soon called Insignif- Insignificant Events in the Life of a Cactus. Uh, funny title by Dusty Bowling. Really a really unique original story with, uh, Really incredible protagonist, um, and that one comes out soon. is awesome. And actually, um, Changelings by Christina Suntravat, which just came out last year, that is my six-year-old daughter's favorite book. It's a middle-grade novel. I read it out loud to her, and she, this, the sequel comes out soonish, and my six-year-old is so into it. So any book that gets my daughters really excited gets me excited. And actually, speaking of that, my oldest daughter just really get fell in love with Savvy by Ingrid Law. And my oldest daughter, she's not a reluctant reader, but she's not a natural reader, and I keep waiting for her to get really into books because I'm so into books. And it hasn't really happened, um, but she is really in love with Savvy by Ingrid Law. So 
all of those ones. Um, oh, and I actually read this spring. I read a book called How I Became a Ghost by Tim Tingle. Really, really, really interesting. It's a Trail of Tears novel and a really beautiful, uh, haunting kind of story. And so, again, that's, uh, sorry, that was a lot more than one. There's sure. so many great books out there, and I never get tired of talking about books. And it's worth pointing out that you actually named three past guests of the podcast. So we had Christina Suntervat on. We had Alan Grace. Nice. And when we had uh, Linda William Jackson and I asked her this same question, she was the one that said Scar Island was the last great oh, book that really? she read. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Oh, that's yes. hilarious. Yes. <laughs> well, Dan. That's awesome. That's a... <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I thought that was neat. Uh, well, Dan. I thank you so much for taking time for writing these books that you know we've enjoyed, and we look forward to the stories you're going to tell us in the future. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about books with you. And that does it for another episode of What Book Hooked You. Special thanks to Dan Gemeinhart for joining me. Uh, that image of, of him uh, traveling from school to school, but those books uh, always being with him as, as his friends is something that stayed with me. Also, thought it was great that at the end there, he happened to name three authors that are past guests on the podcast, one which paid him the compliment before of, of naming Scar Island. And I hope you'll check out past episodes of the podcast as well. My name is Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading.